You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. We might all be horrified by the reports that we see of what is going on in Ukraine at present. We might all have been forgiven for thinking that we would learn from previous mistakes, that the horror of, for example, the Second World War would have taught us lessons. (laughs) But unfortunately, war is normal and humans don't learn from their past mistakes. There's a war going on in the normal head all of the time. That's why I call them normal crazy people. You'll be aware of the voices in your head as some people call them. You will be aware of the little voice in your head as other people call it, that tells you you can't do this or you can't do that. You will be aware of the voice that tells you that you are shy or you are not as forthcoming as you'd like to be, or you're backward in coming forward, so to speak. You'll be aware of a dialogue that's going on in your head. It's not a monologue. There is somebody talking to somebody. Now, it's all imaginary, of course, and it is, unfortunately, the way in which the normal mind works, but I'll come back to that in a minute. But you'll be aware of a dialogue in your head, or as some people say to me, actually, there's a shouting match going on in my head half the time, or on some occasions, I actually end up having a full-blown argument with myself. And I often wonder, and I often ask my clients this question, who's talking to who? How many of you are there. So there's a war going on in your head. We see families at war. Unfortunately, the number of people with whom I've spoken over the last 26 years who have experienced families at war or who are currently wrapped up in a family at war, it's quite common. We see teams at war in businesses. We see teams at war in sport, sometimes teams self-destruct by competing with themselves rather than competing with their opponent. Indeed, if you look at professional sport, if you look at tennis, for example, and I happen to know a bit about tennis, having done some work with the French Tennis Federation when we moved to France first, very often there are four people on the tennis court in a game of singles. There is me, my opponent, the guy who's giving out to me that I'm not playing well enough, and he is one of those as well. So there's at least four people on a tennis court. And sometimes, as I used to say to people, if you're not in control of your own state of mind, for starters, at the very least, you're going to lose because it's a two against one situation. It's you versus him and you. The point I'm making is that war within the confines of our normal everyday lives is actually part and parcel of our ordinary everyday lives. We shouldn't be surprised that companies go to war, that families are at war, that countries go to war. And when it comes to humans learning from their past mistakes, 
psychology is really, really clear on this. When you're using your mind normally, you'll keep making the same mistakes. Again, the number of people with whom I've worked over the years who have stumbled from one inappropriate or even abusive relationship to another, or the number of people with whom I've worked who have leaped from the frying pan of one job into the fire of another, thinking that if the far off hills are green. I know I'm mixing my metaphors at the moment, but the point I'm making is that when the normal mind is being used in the way in which nature intended, on autopilot, day in, day out, using the same programs to enable us make it through the day, we do nothing new. We can't expect any new outcomes. We cannot expect to learn from our mistakes, even though we know we've made mistakes, even though we could pinpoint exactly how we make the mistakes. We can't help ourselves from making those mistakes again until we grab a hold of what's going on between our two ears and start getting our minds working for us rather than working against us. It's really a question of the difference between war and peace. War, we already know about. War, never mind what's going on in Ukraine. And I don't say that lightly. Obviously, what is going on in Ukraine is indescribable in terms of man's or woman's inhumanity to man. I'm talking about the war of attrition in our own heads day in, day out. We're all familiar with it. We may not have couched it in those terms. But the fact of the matter is that if I am not at peace in my own mind, how is my life going to be a picture of peace? If I am at war within my own mind, I am going to create the additional challenges in my life that overlay the challenges that life is going to throw at me anyway. And therein make everything so much more difficult for me to the point where most people finding themselves in that situation will believe themselves incapable of coping which will trigger stress which will trigger anxiety which will trigger depression and on and on and on we go the interesting thing is when i say on and on and on we go down the anxiety worry stress depression continuum is that all those issues, even though they have incredible impact on our physical health, all of those issues are the creation of our own thoughts, the creation of the very own war that we wage against ourselves in our own heads when we're using our minds normally. Let me put it another way. If I am ill at ease in my own mind, my body is going to suffer dis-ease. There is a mountain of research at this stage that links, directly links, indeed correlates, causally correlates stress with coronary heart disease, heart attack and death, stress with cancer and death, stress with digestive problems. And in the old days before there were tablets for stomach ulcers, that also led to death. There is a direct causal link between stress and a depressed immune system. We all know that too, because very often we're running on empty when we're under stress at work, then we go on holidays. And because the stress mechanism has been shut off, because the adrenaline is no longer pumping, the first thing that happens to me when I go on my long awaited holidays is I become ill. Because I've been ill at ease in my mind, that outpictures into 
dis-ease in my body. Healthy mind, healthy body. It works the other way around too. Not as in healthy body, healthy mind, but in unhealthy body, healthy mind. It all starts with the mind. All problems in this world start with what is going on in the normal mind when used normally. What do I mean by that? Because that's a phrase I've used a couple of times at this stage. Well, if you're aware of the dialogue in your own head, or if you're aware of the extent to which you might be at war with yourself, you are very aware of how you are your own worst enemy. You're very aware of how you continually get in your own way. Let's take a case in point in relation to that. An awful lot of people want to get healthy and fit. They know what they have to do to get healthy and fit. They plan to do it. They even have goals as to how they will feel and look when they've done it, but they don't do it because they get in their own way, because they are their own worst enemy, because their minds are operating on the loop that I mentioned earlier on, because they'll keep doing the same things and actually expect a different outcome, a definition of madness. People often say to me that they find it so difficult to do what they need to do. And do they have problems? Are they lazy? Are they losers? No, they're none of the above. They're normal. Because our minds are designed to keep doing the same thing. As I said earlier on, to keep making the same mistakes. As I said earlier on, to never learn from the mistakes that we've made. And that is why we need to take charge of what is going on in our own heads. We need to stop our own ordinary minds operating in an ordinary way. We need to stop our ordinary minds operating on autopilot. That, that, that isn't a kind of throwaway remark. That is what cognitive psychology calls the manner in which the ordinary mind operates. It operates on autopilot. And an autopilot will always bring you to the same destination until you change the programs, or perhaps until you throw the programs away put down your baggage get out of your own way and start living the kind of life that you would want to live start achieving the kind of goals you would like to achieve like the health and fitness goal that i mentioned a minute ago and start doing what you need to do to get there because you have got out of your own way it's worse than that though I don't want to depress you, obviously, but it is worse than that, because not only are we our own worst enemies, not only do we get in our own way, we don't even know who we are. We don't know where we are, and we don't know what's going on. These are the three outputs of being normal crazy, using our ordinary minds in an ordinary way. You don't know who you are. You only think you know who you are based on the programs that I mentioned a minute ago that you need to put down. Everybody is the result of their childhood programming until they decide to put their programming down. Nobody knows who they really are as a result of their childhood programming. As a result of that, they only think they know who they are and it is always a diminished version of self. You will only discover who you actually are and that of which you are actually capable when you put your programming down. If you don't push your programming down, not only do you not know who you are, you don't know where you are because everything your five senses is telling you is evaluated 
through the programming that you need to put down. You don't know what's going on in the here and now for exactly the same reason. Somebody could compliment you and you could take it as an insult as a result of you interpreting what has just been said to you or done for you through the programming that you need to put down. If you don't know who you are, you don't know where you are, and you don't know what's going on, you have no chance of doing what you need to do to get to where you want to go. <laughs> Which is actually the next problem that we have when we use our minds normally. We don't know where we want to go. We might think we know where we want to go, but that is not the same thing. Most people will think they want this, that or the other to make them happy and successful because they see other people having this, that or the other. And they look from the outside in and say to themselves, well, they look happy and successful. I'll have a bit of that. Anybody I've ever asked about what they really want out of life doesn't have an answer. If they do have an answer, it's the wrong answer because it is the product of the programming that they need to put down. You need to put your programming down. When you put your programming down, you suddenly transform the war into peace. Actually, you know, if enough people put their programming down, real wars would be transmuted into peace. That may sound a little far-fetched, but let me refer you to a piece of research done by the American Transcendental Meditation Association in collaboration with the law enforcement authorities in the metropolitan area of Washington, D.C. in, I think, if my memory serves me right, 1989. This collaboration between the American Transcendental Meditation Association and the police, if I can call them that, was set up to evaluate whether a load of peaceful minds in the one place would have an impact on the peace of the surrounding neighborhood, if I can put it in, in simple terms. This experiment was set up with the goal of getting 4,000 people into a convention center in Washington, D.C. to meditate together over a long weekend. The proposition was that as the number of people in the convention center rose, the incidence of violent crime in the metropolitan area of Washington, D.C. would decrease. I know it sounds far-fetched, but if you search for this stuff online, you will find that the graph between the number of people in the convention center meditating, in other words, minds at peace, and the incidence of violent crime defined as homicide or GBH in the greater Washington DC area declined almost as a perfect X. As the numbers went up, crime came down. Why? Now, in 1989, people didn't really have a scientific explanation for why, because we didn't know then what we know now in relation to how we are all energetically connected with each other. The science of quantum physics explains that elegantly. 
while we might have known that our mood might affect the mood of the guy or girl beside us, while we might have known that our emotional state might have an impact on the emotional state of those who are close to us. What we didn't realize in the 80s was that my energy has an effect on your energy. Your energy has an effect on the energy of those people around you and has an impact on all energy. So when I say that if enough people experienced peace of mind, we would transmute war into peace. That's actually a scientific fact. And there are some people working in this field who believe a tipping point will come where enough people will wake the hell up, if I can put it like that, put their programming down to the extent that we will experience a shift. But for now, unfortunately, but it again is a fact of life, this podcast, what we're talking about here, the work that I do, is not going to immediately change the world. But the work that I do and what we're talking about here is designed to enable you change your little world. And once you begin to change your little world, you realize that your little world isn't little at all. It's grand indeed. Who you are is grand indeed. Things that you can do aren't just grand indeed. They will be done effortlessly when you put your programming down. There were very good reasons 5, 10, 15, 20,000 years ago as to why the ordinary mind developed in the way in which it did to the point that it finds itself now operating on autopilot. There were very good survival reasons. There are very good reasons why we are designed not to get outside our comfort zone so that we need to do the things that will, for example, make us healthy and fit, as I talked about a few minutes ago. They're evolutionary reasons. They have no place in the 21st century. They are, as we said a few minutes ago, what is holding you back. It's not your programming that's holding you back. In other words, it is the way in which your mind pays attention to your programming because of the way in which the mind evolved. You have to take responsibility, and I actually mean that, for the one and only thing over which you can exert total control, the one and only thing in your life for which you can take absolute responsibility, and that is your own state of mind. In taking responsibility for your own state of mind, you grasp the opportunity to change the way your brain is structured and, in effect, move your own personal evolution forward. Once we begin to change how we use our mind, once we begin to change in really simple terms, that to which we pay our attention, we begin to take our attention away from the programs that we need to put down. How do we do that? Well, let me explain it in really simple terms. At present, if you're operating on automatic pilot, you're going through the day programmed to survive, and your subconscious mind is paying attention to those programs that the automatic pilot needs today to enable you, in as far as it's possible, muddle through whatever life throws at you today, in the same way as you muddled through similar stuff before. This all happens automatically because your subconscious attention is engrossed in the past. 
in the programs that you learned when you were young and impressionable, the programs you need to put down. The training to enable you change that to which you pay your attention is meditation. Now, I know the minute I say the word meditation, some people will say, oh, that's ridiculous. Other people will say, oh, that's some religious stuff. I can't do that. Or uh, that's some spiritual thing, not into that. Or it's wishy-washy. Or as a friend of mine in Tucson, Arizona says, it's woo-woo. No, it's not. It's the only scientifically validated way we have as human beings in the 21st century to take control of that to which we pay attention. That's what this is all about because the programs that you need to put down will be put down when you don't pay them your attention anymore. The programs in your own head, which are effectively a bundle of thoughts in your own head, are nothings unless you give them your attention. But the moment you give them your attention, and you must remember your brain is designed to automatically give them your attention, the moment you give them your attention, you feed them and they become your version of reality war and all, noise in your own head and all, dissatisfaction that you can't do what you need to do to achieve what you know you'd really love to achieve, dissatisfaction with yourself, a misunderstanding and effect of yourself because you're paying attention to something that isn't there. You're paying attention to something that isn't real. But the moment you give it your attention, boy, does it feel real. And the moment it causes the stress that inevitably comes from it feeling real, boy, does it actually impact your body. And that is real. But it all starts with you misdirecting your attention as a result of the way in which your brain evolved. You need to redirect your attention to put you're programming down. The training is meditation. Now, an awful lot of people, once they get over the initial what meditation bit, an awful lot of people will say, oh, that's all I need. No, what I said was meditation is the training. Meditation is like the weights you lift in the gym or the treadmill you run on in the gym. Meditation is what gets you fit for playing the game of life. Meditation is designed to enable you pay attention to one or more of your senses without thinking about it. You see, the minute you pay attention to something without thinking about it, you've broken the link between what's coming into your five senses and you evaluating what's coming into your five senses automatically using your programming. In other words, the minute you break that link, you've put your programming down. Meditation uses the five senses, or, or very often actually meditation uses mainly two or three senses, the, the hearing sense or the feeling sense or the feeling stroke breathing sense. Meditation rarely uses the uh, visual sense, although ultimately the best meditation we can do is meditation with our eyes open because we're supposed to live our lives with our eyes wide open, aren't we? If you don't do this training, you're going to continue living your life, if I can even call it that, with your eyes wide shut. Just as an aside, but a, an incredibly important aside, I said to somebody a little earlier on today that somebody had said to me yesterday that they were stunned by the amount of opportunity around them. And they said to me, how could I never see this before? And I told them because your eyes were wide shut. 
you were blinkered to what was actually going on by you thinking about what was going on using the programs that you need to put down. Now, right now, I am running something really special. It's free. There's some free video training online, but that is really to gear anybody who wants to be geared up to four live Zoom sessions that I'm doing over the coming days where anybody who wants to can ask me anything about what I'm talking about with regard to not just putting your programming down, but what happens when you put your programming down. How you go from not knowing who you are to discovering your true potential. How you know from not knowing where you are to being fully present in the moment. How you go from not knowing what's going on to be fully immersed in the reality of what is going on. And as a result of all that, how you go from not having a clue what you should do in the here and now to being able to effortlessly do just what you need to do in the here and now to get you to where you want to go. And as we said, not knowing where you want to go is one of the final stumbling blocks. How you get from thinking about what you want out of life or thinking that X is what I want out of life to discovering that that's only the beginning. There's so much more to life when I put my programming down. So what I would suggest to you as we come to the end of this particular episode is that you click the links that are associated with your podcast player in this episode. Because right now, as I said, there's free video training. There's four hours of free Zooms coming up in the next couple of days. And this is all designed to enable you discover what happens when you push your programming down. Ultimately, psychology has known for an awfully long time that your life is what you make it. That through how you perceive yourself and your world, you create your own version of reality. That is a scientific fact. Why would you not make your life the best life it could be? Why would you not create the reality that you would really, really love to experience? Let's not end on a why would you not note on a negative note. Let's end on a positive note. When you push your baggage down, you can create the reality and the life you would love to live. And what we know now from neuroscience is that you can do that, having got out of your own way, effortlessly. Simple when you know how. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.com.